Hello and welcome back to the lecture series with Rev T. We have changed the name. We try to do it on a bi-weekly basis. We are now across different podcast forums. Thanks to jewishpodcast.fm. You can find us on iTunes and Google and all the different wonderful ones that allow podcasts to be found. Look for the lecture series with Reb T if you'd like to see us. We already uploaded four of them from the past nine or ten or so. This night, tonight, we're talking friends till the end. A real grip on true friendship. Sources, as usual, from Safaria, the wonderful website, unless noted otherwise. Look out for the points to carry over, the PTCs. All Sheeran are now again on all the podcast forums, as well as, of course, the wonderful website, Sheerenjoyment.com slash Sheeran slash Sheeran dash Reb dash T. Shout out, of course, to Jake W. for all of his help there at SheerEnjoyment.com. If you want to email us, feel free to email at RebT, R-E-B-T, at SheerEnjoyment.com. Dedicated tonight for the refuslema of all those sick with corona or other ailments, for the continued refuslema of Sarah Adobaschan and Shlomo ben Saradina, as well as the Eloy Nishmas, rather than Seinzalz. Fascinating, wonderful sage and commentator who recently just passed away, and we actually quoted him in this year. So we wanted to dedicate it also to him as well, as well as for the refuslema of everyone else who is sick with corona or other ailments. When we think about the idea of friendship, we think about the idea of chavrut, of being a chaver, being a friend, what does that mean? What does that encapsulate? If you thought about your best friend, who is your best friend? And why is this so? What does the term friend really mean? What is the essence of the idea of friendship? The dictionary defines friendship as the emotions or the conduct of being friends or the state of being friends. But what does that really mean? The state of being a friend. What does it mean to be a real friend? To be a true friend? What defines the term? To spell it out of what a true good friend encompasses. And the friendship idea, when we think about the basis of a friend, that person is a person whom someone knows and with whom someone has a bond of mutual affection, usually to the exclusion of family. But what does it mean, mutual affection? Affection could be, I like the bank teller, I like the barista, but are they my friend? Do I even have their phone number? Can I even reach out to them? I used to think back in the day when I was little, little, I don't have a friend until he's actually in my phone. Once we got a cell phone back in the high school eras, not like nowadays when kids get phone when they're two years old, when we got the friend, we got him in the phone, that was the real friend. And some people think, oh, he's not my friend on Facebook, he's really my friend. But that's not what we're talking about when we talk about a real friend. We'll talk about what friendship really means. And to you, think about what friendship really means to you yourself. Who are you a true friend to? Who is a true friend to you? Why? What does that mean? The true friend that I believe is the one who shows up to your house without even asking, knowing exactly what you need. That friend is always helping out, especially comes when life is difficult with just the right food and words, or maybe lack thereof, especially if it's purposefully because of the situation they're dealing with, trying to help you out with, especially dealing with loss or tragedy, difficulty or obstacles in your life. But also in wonderful times of joy and celebration and happiness when we're overloaded and overwhelmed, really feeling true elation for you. I remember hearing the quote when I was a kid growing up that the true friend is someone you can go months or years without talking to. Then you could pick up the phone as if nothing has changed. You could reconnect as if nothing has changed. I actually find this quote myself to be very true. Sometimes I don't speak to people for months, hopefully not years, but I connect with them on the phone, I message them, WhatsApp them, call them, it's as if nothing has changed, even if I hadn't talked to that good friend for months or weeks. And that's an indication to me, myself, that they are a true and a good friend. Woodrow Wilson, the great Woodrow Wilson, Lahavdil is noted to have said, friendship is the only cement that will ever hold the world together. The world as a whole is lacking in good friends. The world as a whole needs to have better friends. People in general need to have better friends. The world, if it had better friends, if countries had better relationships with each other and with people in the world and they had better friendships within their country, outside their country, and those dealing with terrible circumstances could find some real good friends, 
Maybe the world as a whole would be better. Maybe the circumstances in the whole world would be better. Maybe the whole world would be a more loving place. And I think about some of the greatest quotes that come from the great Winnie the Pooh. Recently, my wife and I saw Winnie the Pooh a few months ago, maybe last year. The new version, real tearjerker, but a real good movie, Lahabdil. And some really good quotes from friendship come from Winnie the Pooh himself. I don't remember who wrote the book, who wrote the movies, who wrote the books themselves. But there's really good content, Lahabdil, Lahabdil. Think about different quotes that he himself and the characters have said. Good friends will help you. Until you're unstuck. He always gets himself in these crazy situations, Winnie the Pooh, especially he's a bear with honey. He gets stuck. A lot of times we get stuck in life. Who are the people that pull us out? Those good friends. A day without a friend is like a pot without a single drop of honey left inside. Winnie the Pooh loves honey. If there's no honey in the jar, that's so sad for him. His friend is not there with you. Your friend is not there with you. It's very sad indeed. A friend is someone who helps you up when you're down. And if they can't, they lay down with you. They sit beside you and they listen. They take care. They just have empathy. They just come and be there when you need. Even if you don't have the right words, even if you don't know what to say or what to do, Lahavda, like a Shiva visit, half the time we don't even know what to say. But the halacha says sometimes you just sit there, you stay silent, you stay quiet until someone else, until the person who you're visiting talks to you first. Let them initiate to you because your presence is what's calming. Your presence is what's helpful. Your presence is what's relaxing and what's therapeutic to the person. You don't have to say a word. Lahabdil at the Shiva house, you just need to sit down beside them and listen and just be there. Lahabdil Christopher Robin also said in Winnie the Pooh, friends are therefore to help you be more of who you are. If you have a friend, quote unquote, who tries to change you for the worse, that's not a real friend. But you have a friend that tries to find the good in you the better in you, that is a real friend. And God willing, we'll talk about it also. That's what the spouse should be and our family should be also. Not just friends, but reyut. We talk about ava, the achba, the shalom, the reyut. Because each aspect of the spouse, each aspect of the marriage partner is supposed to bring out those elements, especially of friendship also. Real friends are the anchors who stay beside you and stay with you thick and thin. They, and we should be zocha to find such friends in our spouses and families, of course. And here, there's a quote of the Rabbi Adin Steinzalt, who passed away recently. His neshama should have an aliyah. Fascinating story, very famous story. The whole story is not found in his book, but we're going to talk about the end that I remember hearing about in yeshiva days and in the past. Listen to this story. It's quoted in simple words by Rabbi Adin Steinzalt, also found on the jewishmilkrill.wordpress.com, the same website that is up and running for sheer enjoyment, where our shirim are. This story is about the nature of friendship, a fascinating story. In the story, a father complains that his son has just too many friends. He spends so much money, so much time on his friends. The father asks the son, how many friends do you have? How many friends do you need? The son estimates, I have about a hundred friends, maybe more, maybe less. The father is amazed and says, what? I've lived so much longer than you in my entire life. I don't have a hundred friends. I have a friend and a half. But tonight, in this story, he's saying we're going to focus on the half of friend. They devise a plan to test the friends. The son goes to one of his friends at midnight. And he says to him, I really, really need your help. I have a loaded sack. I just killed the crown prince in a duel. Of course, it wasn't the crown prince. It was like a, a dead goat or something. But they didn't know that. And he says, I need your help. I need to borrow the, I need to bury the body. Excuse me. I need a place to hide it. Can you please help me? Please, you're my friend. Help me. One friend after another throws him out onto the street. Immediately upon hearing the story, no one even hears out the whole story. No one is willing to quote unquote risk their lives to help him. The son comes back to the father and says, I understand what you said about my friends. But are your friends any better? The father then sends him to his half a friend. Why half a friend? The son's wondering. He'll see soon. The son knocks at the door at midnight. Upon hearing this story, the half a friend says, You behave very badly, but you are my friend's son, so come in. I will bury the body and hide you as best as I can. I remember hearing the story in the beginning and thinking, Why is he a half a friend? He helped him bury the body, did he not? Didn't he help him out? But the key is listening to the phraseology of what the friend, quote-unquote, said. The half a friend said. The quote hence here 
But I remember discussing the story in Yeshiva or in the past, whoever it was. The son goes back to the father and asks him, why is this person called a half a friend if he helped him with the body? Quote, unquote, body. The father asked what the man said. And the son told him, because you are my father's, my friend's son, I will help you. The father says, that's why he's half a friend. If he was my real friend, he wouldn't have to say you're my son. He wouldn't have to say it's because you're my son. He would do it anyway because he's my friend. If he really was my friend, he would do it. He would risk it. He would take it into his hands. No questions asked, not saying anything, not making stipulations. No ulterior motives or having to tell him why he did it. A true friend, a real friend would help. No questions asked. No strings attached without asking or mentioning or saying the reason why we're doing it. Not just because you happen to be the son of my friend. That is what the story is all about. We should be so to have real friends that would do anything for us. No questions asked. Ben Sira explains in Ecclesiastes not to be confused with Koheles. A wonderful phrase, he who finds a faithful friend finds a treasure. And this quote is all over the internet. You look up friendship quotes, even the Jewish ones. This one is there because a real friend that's by your side, that's faithful to help you through all times, they are the treasure. That's the type of friend we need to find, we need to hold on to, we need to keep and make sure is with us throughout our entire life. Think about the song by Uncle Maishi. We sang it in Yachad, we sang it in NCSY. But it's a good quote. It really comes from a French author, Lahavdil minus the Hashem part, of course. Albert Camus officially wrote it. But it's really a wonderful song. Don't walk in front of me, I may not follow. Don't walk behind me, I may not lead. Just walk beside me and be my friend. Together we will walk in the way of Hashem. A, fr- a real friend is not the one pushing you off the cliff to do something you don't want to do. real friend is not pulling you by the anchor, making you do something you don't want to do. The real friend stands by you, walks by you, side by side, hand by hand, arm in arm, through difficult times, through happy times, through good times, through bad times. And that's the type of friend we all need to have and also should be within our spouses and within each other. We walk arm in arm, marching together, battling whatever happens to us in our lives. Amazing story, which is sort of a medrash. We call it a pseudo-medrash. It's about brotherhood, but we want to apply it to friendship, what friendship should really be like. I found it from JewishAction.com, the OU magazine. It's a famous Jewish legend about the meaning of brotherhood, but really, we should apply it to friendship. Listen to this story. Again, it's not an official real story, but it's the legend, the underlying meaning that applies to us in the place of the Beis HaMikdash. Long before the base of English was built, there were two brothers who lived and farmed on that site. One was married and had a large family. The other one was single. They lived very close to each other, close proximity. And each worked with land growing the wheat. When the time arrived to harvest, each had a beautiful crop, a bountiful crop, and piled up his grain for the storage. The unmarried brother saw that his, his brother had such a large family, but he was blessed with so much food. I'm sure my brother, my friend, could use more more money, more food than I have. He got up in the middle of the night, secretly took from his own grain and put it in his brother's pile. The married brother also thought to himself, I had a great grain, but I have so many kids, I have a wonderful wife, my brother has nothing. Let me give it to his pile. So he also got up in the middle of the night, he took it from his pile, and he put it in his brother's pile. So each brother gave to one another. And this happened throughout the time. So they kept going and they transferred the grain to the pile. In the morning, each pondered why there was no noticeable decrease in their own pile. And they repeated the transfer the next night. And it went on and on for several nights until one night the brothers bumped into each other. In that instant, the dark of the night, the brotherly love lit up the entire sky. They each understood what each other had been doing for one another, they fell into each other's arms in a beautiful, loving embrace. According to the legend, when Hashem saw this beautiful display of brotherly love, He selected that site for the Beis Amigdash. And that's what the Jews also chose as a site to build the house for Hashem because they realized the significance of such a beautiful site. If we use friendship as such... A matter like these legendary characters did for one another. We could have such beautiful love and harmony within our friends, within our lives, and within the whole world. JewishAction.com further explains the main message of this pseudo-medrash. 
quote-unquote medrash, is one of brotherly love and avat chinam, which is the way to bring back the base of medrash. We know the base of medrash was destroyed because of sinav chinam and the big three, the other base of medrash, and to repair it would be ahavad chinam. If something is destroyed because of sinav chinam, the fix would be ahavad chinam. We've talked about this many times on many of the shows. Ahavad chinam can be gained through Ahavad chesed and through Lashem Tov. Lashem Hara leads to Sinas Chinam. Lack of chesed can lead to Sinas Chinam. The repairing of that would be Ahavad chesed, loving to do chesed and loving to speak only good. Lashem Tov. So when we have Ahavad Chinam, when the Pasuk talks about shevet gam yachad, how everyone dwells together beautifully in unity, that's how the temple could come about. Since the temple was destroyed because of Sinav Chinam, we need to find brotherly love amongst ourselves, amongst our friendship, to find the right friends in the right way. If we show respect and compassion for each other, that is the way deeply rooted in our tradition to bring the world to a much better state and to bring the base of speedily in our days. We think about the Gemara and Shavuot that talks about Kol Yisrael HaRevim Zelazeh. Every single Jew is responsible for one another. We're all brothers. We're all sisters. We're all royalty. We're all the king's children. We're all the princes and princesses of Hashem, the ultimate king. We are all responsible for one another. We're guarantees for one another. We're all brothers. We should think of ourselves and love each other in the same way. We also talk about in all the shows how it's so crazy how people hate one another instead of disagreeing on their views. People think of each other as black and white. Instead of realizing, realizing there's really the shades of gray. A person really, in general, in most of the world, people are very good people that do very bad things. A lot of times we think people are very bad people that happen to do some good things. But you think about the neshama. It starts out as a tabla rusa, a blank slate. The philosophers will explain. And it has the ability to imprint on it many things. So if you have the white sheet, and you throw some stains on it, it's still a white sheet that's stained because a person is inherently pure, inherently good. Even if they do bad things, horrible things, it doesn't mean as a whole we should hate the person, hate the sin, but not this, the person doing those things because we need to love each other, respect one another. Even if you disagree in politics, you disagree in religion, you disagree in views, don't make the awful mistake of hating the person. You can hate a misdeed. You can hate a sin. You can hate a point of view, but don't hate the person. We're going to come to Yom Kippur in just a couple months. It says in Al Khait, we made that terrible mistake of hating people. We don't hate people. We should hate bad deeds and we should disagree on things if we don't agree in the sense of the word. But don't take that passion to the streets and harm people and start hurting people physically. It doesn't make sense. We need real friendship, real relations, dealing with each other in the right way, in proper ways. If we look at the world, especially our fellow Jews, with friendship, as brothers and sisters, with proper ideals of friendship, we can make the world ready for the third base Amigdash. We should do what we can to be real friends to one another, emphasizing how to help one another, especially our friends. And if we do so, the whole world can become a much, much, much better place. Excuse me. So let's look at some sources and what friendship really means. Mishle is a powerhouse of wonderful and wonderful phrases about friendship. All over Mishle talks about if you keep company with the wise, you'll become wise, but you consort with a dullard, you come to grief. You deal with someone good, you're going to get goodness. We'll talk about that a little more later. And a pauper, a poor person is despised even by his peers, but a rich man has many friends. Why does he have many friends? Because they love his money. The real friendship is not about the money, not about the resources, not about the life situation. Even if a person loses everything, the friend should stand by him. He who despises his fellow is wrong. He who shows pity for the lowly is happy. You think about Eov. We're going to talk about Eov a little bit more later. Eov lost basically everything. He lost his fortune. I believe he lost children. His wife was still there by his side, but he lost a lot, a lot of stuff out there. And his friends stood by him through thick and thin, and they knew what happened to him. They came to comfort him. Those were three really good friends. Even though he lost so much, they stayed with him, and they talked about him, and they debated with him according to the positions that he was a real person. Some say it was an analogy, but let's believe that it was a real person during different times of history. So then Mishle also talks about it's better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fattened ox where there is hate. Better to have a meal where there's no food, barely any food, just vegetables, but there's love and friendship there than a sumptuous feast of hate and sinah. You think about the meal of Ahasuerus, that was not a meal. It was a meal of two like-minded people who wanted to kill the Jews. That wasn't a meal, that was a conspiracy of wanting to kill people, wanting to hurt people. But the meal 
of a, of a few vegetables, of a few grains of, of the Jewish people, friends together, that's a much more beautiful meal than any meal of hated people who come together. A hot-tempered man provokes a quarrel, a, quarrel, a patient man calms strife. Mishra Ox also talks about that a friend is devoted at all times. A real friend you could call at 3 in the morning, 2 in the morning, 4 in the morning, and they'll still be by you and they'll pick up the phone. They are there at all times and the brother is born to share adversity. And Mishra also talks about how our wife, our spouse, should be the best friend in the entire world. He who finds a wife has found happiness, has found the favor of Hashem. And there are companions to keep one's company. A friend who is more devoted than a brother. The friend close feels a kinship to brotherhood. Mishlei also talks about how many court the favor of a great man and the friends of his dispenser of gifts. But the brothers of a poor man despise him. How much more is he shunned by his friends? He who pursues words they are no avail. Mishlei points out to us how we have to find the wonderfulness of friendship and use it in the right way. Mishlei also talks about the sweetness of a friend is better than one's own counsel. The friend could tell you what you yourself cannot figure out. Don't desert your friends. Don't desert your father's friends. Stay with your family friends. They've been with you. They've helped you. Stay with them. Rely on them. They know what they're talking about. We're going to talk about Shlomo HaMelech, his son, Rechavam, looking for advice. He should have went with his father's friends. We'll talk about that later. Don't desert your friends. Stay with them. A close neighbor is better than a distant brother. Mishlei also talks about iron sharpens iron and a man sharpens the wit of his friend. That's what a Chavrusa does. As a face answers to a face in water, so does one's man heart to another. So the idea being the point to carry over, the first one is that the true friend is the one who you love and loves you as a close brother. Always by your side, ready to help. Spring by you whenever is needed. This we should find in our spouses and in our families as well. We should be zolcha to have such good friends in life and in our own families. Bereshit Rabbah picks up on this verse from Mishlei. What does it mean, iron sharpens iron, excuse me? Rabbi Chama Bar Hanina said that a knife is only sharpened at the side of another. So a Torah scholar can only be sharpened by a friend. So iron sharpens, sharpens iron and a person sharpens the face of his neighbor. This is like Yaakov. Yaakov stood together with his friend. The Shekhinah attaches himself to him. Someone who learns with someone else is better than someone who learns with himself. Pirkei Elvis explains it's better to learn with someone else than to learn with by yourself. The Gemara also talks about how you learn so much from other people, but more from a chavrusa. We'll talk about that soon. The Gemara Tanis points out, Rabbi Chama explains the son of Rabbi Hanina. When it says iron sharpens man, it's talking about that one sharpens the other one, they rub against each other. When they study together, the Torah scholars study together, the Chachamim study together, they're sharpen one another in halacha. You study by yourself, there's only so much you could learn. There's only so much you could glean from the book and from yourself. You study with a partner, with a chavrusa, you study with someone else, you really could get to the crux of the matter. And even if you have to hock a little bit, like in college days we did also, it's good to have that person to bounce ideas off of, to talk off of, and to study the Gemara, to study the Mishnah, Tanakh, whatever you're learning together off of, because you're able to bounce off of each other and to better each other. Because the point to carry over is a true friend challenges you, but sticks close to you, guides you, but propels you forward. And it also talks about as a face answers to a face in water, so does one man's heart to another. You have the heart, you have the ability to talk to people, to be friends with people. You should have their best interests at mind. You should have the right good heart when talking with your friends, when dealing with your friends, trying to find the best advice, the best the best outlook out there for persons in the dating parsha, and he knows it's the right person for him but he's jealous that he's going to move on that's not the right friend that's not a good friend he would be holding him back by not telling him the advice that she's really good for you she's the right one for you a real friend wouldn't tell you don't take that job because he's jealous you're going to make more money than him that he's going to make more money than you or he's worried you're going to move away a real friend will stay in touch even if distance separates you you want the best for your friend you give them the right advice you give them the right outlook and the right words to help them in whatever situation is. And Zachariah also points out that you need to deal loyally and compassionately with one another. You need to speak the truth to one another. Render true and perfect justice in the gates and in your homes and in life. Do not contrive evil against one another. Do not love perjury. That's not the right type of friend. Those are the type of friends that's not good. They say you could tell a lot about a guy by the friends he hangs out with. I remember my wife saying, I remember looking at, Tom, at Reb T's friends 
and seeing what type of friends he had. And I knew those were good friends to have because a lot of times you look at a guy, you look at a girl, and you see the friends they accompany themselves with are not always the best type of influences, not always the best type of friends to have. When you choose friends, you find friends, you need to have the right friends for you. You need to make sure that the right influences, they're the right surroundings for you because they're going to follow you in life. It wants to be a good influence. We want it to be a proper influence, a positive influence to you. As Avastar Rabbeinu Nassim explains, if you have friends, make sure they're the right friends, the ones that challenge you to do better, to become a better person. Some of them might praise you, but love the ones who challenge you, hate the ones who only praise you. Those who are seeking flattery for you, those who are seeking just to uplift you, those are the false friends. They just want to tell you good things you want to hear, but they won't actually help you. They won't challenge you when the day comes. They won't propel you forward when it's what you really need to hear. You don't want to always hear flattery. You, you, you want to hear the right things, the right words at the right time. If you're only going to say false things or flattery, that's not going to get you where you need to go. Those are not the right friends you should have. And that's another point to carry over. It's easy to flatter a friend. But the true worth is when you help them move upward. You help them move forward in life. That's what a friend is about. That's a real grip on true friendship. We want our friends to be till the end, till 120 years. Real friendship, true friendship, is the ones that propel you, move you forward, and help you be the best you that can possibly be. The whole idea of the Torah in Vayikra points out, don't take revenge. Don't come against someone else. Even if you encounter an enemy and a friend, you're supposed to help the enemy first. You're not even supposed to have enemies to begin with, but let's say you do. You're supposed to help the enemy first because everyone should be changed to be your friend. Hashem doesn't want to hurt people or punish people. Hashem talks about He doesn't want to kill the sinner. He wants the sinner to repent. So to an enemy, quote-unquote, we want them to repent and become our friends. We don't want people to die. We don't want people to be killed. We don't want to take revenge. That's not really the Jewish way. We want everyone to be loved by everyone else. Rabbi Akiva talks about. That is the main essence of the entire Torah. The Gemara and Shab is one of my favorite Gemaras we've talked about many times before. It talks about this essence of the Torah. Very famous story we've talked about. An incident applies when a Gentile comes before Shammai. Amarlo. Come, please convert me on the condition you teach me the entire Torah while I'm standing on one foot. Please do that to me. Please do that for me. I want to convert, but do it while I'm on one foot. What did Shammai do? Shammai pushed him away with the ruler that was in his way. That was his common measuring stick. He was a builder by trade, not for now, but different ways of teaching. Not the way that I would say it, but that was Shammai's way. We can't judge him, but that's just the way that he did it. Balafne Hillel, he came before Hillel, this Gentile, Geyayire. He he converted him, Giyare. Amarlo, he said to him, Dalach Sani Lachavrach Lata Avid Zuhi Kotora Kula. That which is hateful to someone else. And that which is hateful to you, do not do to someone else. The better way of saying it. He converted and he said, that which is hateful to you, do not do to another. What you don't want done to you, don't do to someone else. That's the golden rule we'll talk about later. That's the entire Torah. That is the entire Torah. The rest is just interpretation. Go study it. Because the point to carry over is that the entire Torah... The whole basis of the Torah is loving one another like oneself, loving your friend, loving your fellow Jew, loving your fellow human like oneself. If we love all those around us like dear friends, the whole world would change. Maybe that's the essence of the difficulty in society. We tend to hate the person who does a crime, who has an addiction, has an affliction, has an illness, instead of understanding that's one part of their entire life. There was a guy I remember reading, maybe it was on Ish who had a wonderful, wonderful life, but in the end of his life, he, ste- he steered off the path. He like lost money, he was on the street, he had to gamble, he had to go for drugs or whatnot, this, not, and none things. And the, the whole obituary for him after he died focused on the last few years of his life. What a detriment to the memory of this person. If a person lives 120 years, but 118 years of those 120 years were blissful, wonderful, amazing. Why are you focusing on the two years that he failed, that he came into hard circumstances, that he happened to have a very bad lot in life, that he slipped up? If a person has 99 aspects of them that are amazing, 
but he has an affliction, he has an addiction, he has a mental illness, or he has something difficult in his life that causes him. Why are you focusing on the one aspect of him that's wrong? Focus on the 95% that's right. In society, we see so many people hating one another because they focus on the one thing that's wrong. The one thing they did wrong, the one thing that went wrong, the one thing they disagree with them on. And, and besides for all the wonderful things they've done, you think about a president, a prime minister, you think about someone in Sanhedrin, Lahabdul, someone in Tanakh. Are you going to think about David Melch just because of the Batsheva incident? Are you going to think about Yehuda just because of the Tamar incident? Are you going to think about Yaakov just because he took the brachas from Esau? Of course not. These are great characters in Tanakh who had different situations that came up. Why would we judge the entire person based on that one instance, that one situation, that one problem? That's the problem in society. If we were able to understand, not to hate the person, but to be upset and disappointed in some actions, some elements of their being, but to help them recuperate, help them, help them rehabilitate, then we could find ways to love one another in society. Don't immediately take out the gun to shoot the person. Don't immediately throw the person into the lake. Try to figure out a way to save them, to rehabilitate them. That's the idea how they talk about in Sanhedrin. If a Sanhedrin kills someone once in 70 years, they're a bloody Sanhedrin. We're trying to find hundreds of ways to get them off the hook, to rehabilitate them, to try to get them to Gullis. Not trying to kill them. Even one in seven years, the most stringent approach says, is a very, very vengeful Bezdin. The whole legal system, there's a way to rehabilitate a person instead of killing someone. Killing someone is a very, very difficult thing. You're taking away someone's life is very, very, very big no, no. You know, it's a Salam Elohim. Hashem puts his Salam in every single person. It's a very big deal to try to deal with these things. It's better to work with the person, rehabilitate the person. I'm not going to go into all the situations of very difficult circumstances of murder and the like. But in a small, small case, if a person does this, a person does that, we tend to hate the person instead of working out the thing that we're upset about or we're difficult about. You see all these Lahabda movies and TV shows where things are blown out of proportion because of a disagreement. They tend to hate the person instead of talking about it, talking through them, rehabilitating with it. The whole idea of counseling, the whole idea of relationships, the whole idea of therapy, all the different therapies dealing with afflictions, addictions, and the like. Every single aspect of every single person's life there's a way to work it out. You could be friends with the person, but don't hate the person. Try to love everyone around you, and the whole world would change. That's the whole idea of Pirkei Avos in the beginning. Yoshua ben Prache explains, Acquire for yourself a person, even if you have to buy them. Even if you have to work with them, you need to have that friend. And even if your friend does something terrible and atrocious and you're so upset with them, are you going to hate the person? Are you going to throw them off the cliff? Or are you going to stay by that friend, be by that friend, even if they're, even if they're, even in their hour of disgrace? You work with the friend, you help the friend, and you try to understand what's going on. But you cannot judge the person until you come to his place. Don't be a judge alone. Do not judge a friend unless you are in his exact place. You know, he goes by McDonald's and he smells it and he sniffs it in and in. How could you smell it for 42 hours? Were you in his place? Did you have the temptation to smell that McDonald's? No. You have to understand the person, work with the person, be that friend, acquire yourself to be that friend. Be the friend for him and let that person be the friend for you. Avos Nelson explains, how can we be that friend? We acquire the friend, we eat with him, we drink with him, we try to understand him, we try to empathize with him, we study with him. We go to sleep next to him. We could be roommates and doormates. We tell him the secrets of the Torah and life. We sit and we talk Torah together. And if you make a mistake, or there's an impure thing, or something happened that was forbidden, then the friend corrects him, the friend guides him, the friend works with him, the friend tries to help him. The Rambam explains, What does it mean, acquire yourself a friend? It's an acquisition. Make yourself a friend, befriend others. The person must acquire a friend for himself. All of his deeds, all of his matter should be refined through him. If you skip down to the bottom, a friend, there are three types of friends the Rambam talks about. But the friend we're talking about is the friend for virtue, not a friend for benefit. You use someone, he's not your friend. You use someone to give you his movie theater, his pool, that's not your friend. You're not his friend, you're using him. And a friend gives you $100 because he has $100, that's not really a friend. The real friend is the friend for virtue. That's when the desire of both people 
the intention of both people is to help one another, to be friends to one another, to do good, to be good for one another. You want to be good for your friend. You want to help them do goals, reach goals. That's the goodness we should try to find. A lot of times there's friends just for the hour. Pirkei Elvis talks about don't befriend people in government. Don't befriend people in positions of authority because they use you and then they forget about you. They're not really there for you. The 15 minutes they'll be for you and then they're gone. Those are not real friends. A friend for benefit. A friend for helping, for giving things. Those are not the friends. A friend for enjoyment or benefit, that's not the right friend. A friend for virtue is the right friend. That's the love we should try to find in the real friendship we should try to find out there. We should make sure another point to carry over is to have and be the right kind of friend. One for virtue to bring out the best and the good in one another. Mishnah Elvis explains, if we're just for ourselves then we're very selfish. Hillel says one of my favorite Mishnahs in the entire Pirkei Avos, a reminder, in a few weeks the PAL, the Pirkei Avos Learning, is coming back with Reb T, a new season, a new commentary. Stay tuned. Omer, Hillel would say, If I am not for myself, who is for me? The friend could take you only so far, but you are the one that must do it. You have an idea, the friend can inspire you, the friend can uplift you, but you must take that idea to fruition. But, but if I only take care of myself, what am I? What am I doing here? You have a good idea, but you don't share it. You have good knowledge to learn with someone else, but you don't do it. Are we selfish or selfless? We talk about this a lot. If we don't do it now, we're never going to do it. But we cannot be just for ourselves. We must be for our friends and our families, but especially when our friends need us, we must be there for them the entire way. We must be with them as much as we can and help them as much as we can throughout their entire life. That's what Pirkei Elvis talks about. Go and find the best way. Rav Yochanan asks his five disciples, What is the best way in life? They say, one says, who foresees the future? One says, a good heart, which is my favorite one, and that's the best one to do. One says that you have to be a good neighbor, be a good friend, be having a good eye. But the best one is to be a good heart. But one of them is to be a good friend. But if you have the good heart, then everything else will come with it. And conversely, if you have an evil heart, you're going to be an evil neighbor. You're going to be an evil friend. You're going to be borrowing without repaying. And you're going to be just evil. You have the good heart. We talked about this way back many years ago. Everything else will come. You have to have a good heart for your friends. You have to have a good heart for those around you. When you have the goodness in you, you want goodness for everyone around you. Goodness from within can be extended to goodness from without. Goodness from inside can be extended to goodness to the outside. And that's what Rabbi Yochanan was looking for. You've got to find the right way to live. Be that good friend with a good heart. To be a good neighbor. To be someone with a good eye. To be generous and to be good to everyone around you. Rabbi Eliezer also says, A good friend has value in his things and in his friend's things. Takes care of his friend's things as he would his own things. You want a house if you're a friend, but you're going to throw a party and trash his house? That's not a friend. That's not a good friend. That's not someone taking care of someone else's. Someone gives you their tefillin to watch while they go away for an appointment. You lose the tefillin. Are you a good friend? Are you a good watchman? That's not what the friend wants. You take care of their objects as if they're your own. They entrust you with their house. They entrust you with their car. Why are you littering it with your trash? Why are you spilling your soda all over it? Would you ever do that to your own car? No. So don't do it to your friend's car either. Abba Surbein and Nelson explains, Your friend's honor should be as dear to you as your own. One should regard his friend's honor just as he regards his own. That's the secret of Yahafta The same way you would take care of yourself, take care of your own needs, take care of your own reputation, your own honor. That's what you should do at least, if not how much more so. For your friend, Allah has come of the Kama. If you would treat yourself so much, then go above and beyond for your friend. Lift name Mishura Sadin. Be more generous for your friend than you would for yourself. I try to think about this. This takes a lot, a lot of work. But if you're cooking for someone else, you're feeding someone else, you're taking care of someone else. If I myself would eat only a plate, then for a neighbor, for my friend, for a guest, I should give them a plate and a half. If I'm going to give myself one cup, give my friend a cup and a half. If I'm going to give myself $5, give my friend $10. You're going to be generous for yourself. Be more generous for your friends, especially for your spouse and your kids. Because it goes so far for yourself. But Hashem wants you to extend yourself for someone else, especially those near and dear to you, your friends, your spouses, your kids. 
You want to make sure not to tarnish your reputation. You don't tarnish your friend's reputation either. And Sukkah points out also, Why were the people of Ruvain so decimated and so appealed to Korach? Korach was their neighbor, but he was a bad neighbor. He was a bad friend. He got them involved in bad business. They should have no part of it, but they were his neighbor. You want to be a good neighbor? Do good things and emulate good ways for your neighbor. If you're a bad neighbor or you're next to a bad neighbor, you're in bad news, you're in a bad situation. Rashi points out by Korach. Tov Rasha, Tov 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 Excuse me. Let me fix that. Tov Tov You live next to someone in a community, in a neighborhood, in a block where you have good neighbors, you have good influences, good friends. That is someone who will affect your being, who will affect your neshama, will affect your outlook. That's the best type of Muslim. Having a good friend, being a good friend. Seeing the example of someone leading to you. You know, we talk about Aaron. Aaron was able to put people together. They thought, if Aaron could be my friend, how could I not make amends with my own friend? How could I not make amends with my own wife, my own kids? We're going to talk about that in a minute. But the point to carry over is we should all want to have and be a good friend with a good heart while being a good neighbor with a good eye and with good insights. You start with the good heart. Being a good friend will come right out of that. You seek the best for others. You stand up for their honor as you would for your own honor. Pekavos also talks about, Rav Yossi explains, Just like the money, the honor of your friend and the property of your friend should be as precious to you as it were your honor. If not, how much more so? Pekavos also explains, do not underestimate the value and the, uh, the understanding of timing and the understanding of situations. If a person had a loss, don't say callous things. Don't say unfortunate things. Understand your place that you cannot understand where they are. Try to put yourself in their shoes. If somebody just had an outburst and was furious at his family, furious at his boss because something very much triggered him, don't try to give a muster. Don't try to criticize him at that time. That's the worst time to give criticism. When there's a fight, when there's anger, when there's a big explosion, don't use the words calm down. I'm very guilty of this, especially for my own kids, but it's mostly for myself, really. When there's a situation, when our kids are blowing up, it's not the right time for criticism. It's not the right time for saying calm down. Those two words never, ever helped anyone calm down, which is a famous quote from I don't know where. But it's about timing. Do not appease your friend during the hour of his anger. Don't comfort him as the hour when the dead is still in, form, in front of him. Don't question him when he made a vow. Don't see him in the hour of disgrace. If he just went... And he smelled the McDonald's, don't give him the mustard. He was just given his temptation and he fell to it. You need to give him time and then talk to him about later. If he's furious right now, don't try to calm him down. Let him try to ease it off. Many of the great people who try to work with anger and whatnot say you need to give them time to walk, to go out of the room, to count to ten, let them come back when they're calm, talk about it. Don't comfort someone when they just lost their car. When they just lost something materialistic or something much more than that, Lo'alenu, a, a person who lost someone from a family or a friend, you can try to console them the second it happened. That's the whole idea of Shiva and Shloshim and the whole year. Hashem knows what He's doing. You go through the process. You go through the motions. Your house is constantly involved with people, Lo'alenu. As the week goes on, the months go on, it's a little bit of a healing process. You never get over it, but you try to get through it. You try to work through it. Understand the appreciation of timing, especially for your friend. Be the right kind of friend who just sits there with the friend, comes with the friend. Even in situations in my own life, those friends came, they brought the food, they just sat there when we needed it. They just were there to listen to me when I needed it. They just talked to me when I needed it. When I was in yeshiva, the rabbi didn't try to put it down, didn't try to shoot me down, didn't try to take my anger or whatnot. He just sat there and listened to it. He didn't try to appease me. He didn't try to question me. He didn't try to comfort me. He just tried to hear me out and listen. A lot of times the idea of being a friend is empathy. And for a spouse and kids as well, it's empathy, listening, being there just in the moment, understanding the appreciation of the proper timing and situations. And don't tell someone, I don't have the time, I don't have the place for you right now. That's one of the worst things you could say. If a person says, I'm in a bad place right now, I lost my job, I lost my house, don't say, I don't really have place for you in my house, my house is too small, I don't really have room for you at my table. You take him in, no questions asked. He's your friend, you take care of him, you take care of your own. I don't care if you have no time, no money, no resources, Hashem will give you the time. 
the resources and the ability to take care of someone. Your friend had a baby, you want to make food for them? Do the food! The money will come later. Hashem will give you the time to do it. You want to get a present for your friend, but you didn't get your paycheck? Hashem will help you out. You don't have to buy a million dollars, but get the kid a $5 teddy bear. It shows the aspect. It shows the caring. Don't say, I don't have room for you. I don't have time for you. I don't have ability for you. Your friend wants to check in. And you know they talk to you for an hour. At least call them back and give them five minutes. Don't say, Tzarli Hamakom. Tzarli Hazman. Sha'olin Belibi, Sha'olin Birushlaim, Sha'olin BT. I have room in my house. I have room in my life. I have room in my time to help you, to listen to you. That's the type of friend I could be. If you text me at 2 in the morning and I'm awake, I will text you back. Blinetter is how we should think. You call me when it's not so convenient, I will try to answer even if my kids are screaming. If it's too much, I'll hang up. Blinetter, I'll try to call you back. If I can call you back, it's because it got crazy. The houses are crazy, but that's also about the idea of timing. A person has a lot of kids, has rambunctious kids. It's not the time to have a conversation with them about 20 minutes about nonsense, about narshkat. If it's not relevant to the moment now, call back when things are calm. Call back after the kids are in bed. That's why a lot of times I don't like to make any calls or talk to people until the kids are in bed because the whole day is crazy hectic. The whole day is crazy stressful. You want to talk to your friend? Great. But wait till you take your kids in bed. Wait till you give your wife time to have date time. When she falls asleep, take care of things. That's why a lot of times I won't take care of things, even recordings, until after my wife falls asleep. I want to make sure I put my kids in bed. I want to make sure my wife and I had the proper date time. Then I could do spouse time. Then I could do recording time or call my friends back or answer messages, catch them on emails or obsess over my furniture or whatever I want to buy for the house. It's all about timing. Uh, empathy is knowing the emotions involved, saying I have time for you at the right time. I have space for you in the right way. Not Sarli Hamakom. True empathy to remember is understanding the timing, the emotions involved, seeing the thoughts, understanding the surroundings of another. If your kids are screaming, your friend's kids are screaming, I'm so sorry, I'll call you back later. Take care of your friends. Take care of your kids, I mean. If you see the house is a rambunctious mess and you wanted to visit, that's not the best time to visit. I'll come back another time. Understand your surroundings. Understand the situation. Take inventory of the situation, of the surroundings, of the house. Don't come and try to sell me a product when my kids are tearing down the couch. You're in the wrong time, the wrong place. If someone calls for money and they say we could send you an envelope or we'll call you back another time and the kids are crazy, call back another time. Especially for our friends, you want to check in amazing, but it should be the right time, the right situation. That's the idea of having the right midos. Pick Elvis explains. You want to have good midos? Be someone who's a chassid. What's yours is yours, and what's mine is yours. I will give you my time when I can. I will give you my resources when I can. Everything I have, you can use. Everything I own is yours. Come to my house, sleep wherever you want. You could come anytime, any day, any hour. If my kids are crazy, I'll get to it when I get to it. But you're always welcome in my house. You're always welcome in my life. You could call me anytime, but if you see it's the wrong time, I'll have to call you back or know to call back. I want to be someone who's generous. We should all be someone who's generous to our friends. That's the right character of being. Mine is yours. And yours is yours. It might not always be the best situation, the best timing, but we'll find the timing and we'll find the way to do it. But know that my house is yours, my time, I can give to you, I can help you. That's a chassid. The real type of love, Perkei Elvis explains, the best example is from David and Yohannesson. There were no more natural rivers, rivals, our school explains, than David and Yohannesson. Yohannesson was the crown prince. He would have taken over for Shaul. His dad was the king. His sisters were married to David. What a crazy situation. We talk about David and Shaul a lot, but Yohannes and David had the most beautiful, pure friendship on earth. Anything which love depends upon, the thing is gone, the love is gone. If the love is conditionless, the love is not based on anything, but it's just pure, that love will never be gone. Amnon had a strong longing, a strong need for his half-sister or stepsister, however the relationship was. 
it wasn't based on anything. It was gone. He was revulsed by her more than he wanted to be with her afterwards. That was not a real love. The she'ena taloya bedavar, something not contingent, not conditional. This is the love of David Yehonasan. The real idea of unconditional love is children, the parents to children. The children cannot do anything for the parents. They can't bathe them. They can't feed them. They can't send them on vacation. They can't pay for them for anything. That's much, much later in life, Lowellina. We shouldn't need such things. We take care of everything for children. We give everything to the children, but we love them unconditionally. They can't do anything. There's no condition attached that we love them. We love them regardless of anything they do, anything that happens, anything they say. That's unconditional love. Parents to children, children to parents, friends to friends should be unconditional love. Spouses to each other, unconditional love. Nothing makes it based on anything. It's pure love for nothing other than the fact that it's friendship and it's pure love of being unconditional. I love you for you, not for anything you did for me, not for anything. If you call me this time, you call me twice a week, you send me money, you don't, then I'll love you. That's not real love. Real love is there always, no matter how many times they're called, no matter how many times they're emailed or not, no matter how often or not you see them, real love is always there without any conditions. And that comes from David and Yehonasan because they had beautiful real love. Even though they were natural rivals, Yehonasan should have been furious at David for usurping the throne, quote-unquote, but he knew that was what Hashem wanted, and they had the most beautiful friendship. David's life was saved by Yehonasan from his own father. A beautiful but tragic episode in Tanakh. We read it in Machar Chodesh. Terribly sad Haftorah, but a beautiful Haftorah. And they talk about how they'll have the friendship forever, but of course, Yehonasan dies not so much later with his dad. Terribly tragic, but they had a beautiful love. Shmuel Alv talks about Havata Oto Kenaf Show. They literally loved each other as themselves. That's real. That's the type of friendship we should all try to aspire to. We should have true friendship. And like David and Yehonasan, true love like they had, giving completely to the other person, even when there could have been rivalry. No conditions, no situations, no stipulations. Just pure, wonderful love for our children, for our spouses, for our families, and especially for our friends. The Pirkei Elvis explains, if our friends teach us anything, even a passage, even a halacha, even a verse, even one word, we got to give them honor, we got to appreciate them, we got to give them credit, we got to let them know that it's from them. And Pirkei Elvis also explains, if someone teaches you something, then say it in their name. You must say it in their name, and Geula comes to the world, because Esther said in the name of Mordechai, and the Geula happened in the Purim story because of that. So your friend teaches you something, say it in his name. Your friend teaches you something, give him honor. David learned something from Achitofel, and Achitofel was not the best person for David. Really didn't treat him great. I think later on he went against him. But Achitofel taught him that he should always walk into the base Medrash learning and learn with the Chavrusa, I believe. I could be very mistaken, but two things. He still gave him honor, and he still gave him kavod. Mishnah Torah talks about that you have to call your friend by the name they want. Don't call him by an alias he doesn't like. Don't call him by a nickname he doesn't like. If I don't like Steven, I tell my 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 school to call me the name I like. If I don't like Reb Talushka, I want to be called by Reb T. Don't call me Reb Talushka. Don't call me Reb Babushka. Call me the right name, Reb T. Call your friends their right name, the right alias they want. Don't call him by a name that's disgraceful. Don't call him by a name that'll insult him, that'll hurt him. You think you're a friend, you're calling him the wrong name. You're not his friend. You call him the name he wants to go by and loves to go by. That's the way to treat your friend. Calling him the right way, dealing with him in the right way. Make sure to honor our friends being there for them in the right ways with right manners. And Torah and Kohen are great, but Torah is acquired through many ways. And one of them is through talking with our friends and dealing with our friends and learning with our friends. There's an amazing story from Tanis. We're not going to read the whole thing inside. We're running out of time. Chori Hamagil, the great sage. One of my sons has a nickname similar to this, if you know him. The great Chori Hamagil talks about how he was distressed. How could it be there are 70 years that they were weeping? Who can sleep and dream for 70 years? So Chori's walking around. He sees a tree. And he says, how can it be you'll live for 70 years? How do you know this tree will be around for 70 years? He talks to a man asking, do you know the tree will be here in 70 years? So the guy says, I know, my descendants will have it because my ancestors planted. Choni literally sits and sleeps under the tree for 70 years. And Lahavdil, Rip Van Winkle, I believe, comes from this story. Lahavdil, he slept also 70 years. Choni wakes up after 70 years and realizes something is very, very wrong. 
He sees that the trees are different, the surroundings are different. He's like, how much did I sleep? How long have I not been around? Choni goes home and he says, is, is my son here? Is anyone here? They said, your son is not here, but your grandson is here. He said, Abchoni, Abchoni, Hamagil. They didn't believe him. He went to the story. He went to the study hall. He said, Abchoni, Hamagil. Is anyone here? They talk about the halachos were clear in his time, how he would resolve anything for them. He said, Abchoni. No one believed him. No one gave him proper respect. No one befriended him. Choni became very upset, prayed for mercy, and died. Lo, Elena, we should never know from such things. We should never hear from such things. But Rava says from this story, people say either friendship or death. Because someone who has no friends is better off dead. After a long time of t- seven years of sleep, the main thing that aggrieved the sage was the loss of friendship. Because friendship is glue that binds humanity together outside of family. And if you go together to a shul, but you leave your friend behind, that's not the right of friend. The player is going to be thrown back in your face. And there's tons of different types of suffering. Rabbi Yochanan lost 10 children. We should never know from such things. He carried around the bone of his 10th son. He had a very, very tragic life. But the main thing that got to him is what Baba Mitzia talks about. Baba Mitzia talks about the Reish Lakish, Rabbi Yochanan's best friend, Chavrusa, died. Rav Yochanan was very aggrieved, very, very much pained. He had a ton of tragedy in his lifetime, but this was very, very difficult for him. The rabbi said, who's going to calm down Rabbi Yochanan? Who's going to comfort him? Rabbi Elijah ben Pedas goes, tries to calm him down, but it's not working. Every matter that Rabbi Yochanan talks about him, he says, there's a ruling that supports you. Rav Yochanan says, this is not what I want. Reish Lakish would refute me 24 times. He would be my harusa. He would be my... Connecto in Chavrus Yudi, my Asia Connecto in learning. I don't want you to appease me. I want you to disprove me. I want you to fight me. I want you to be my Chavrusa. Where is Reish Lakish? I need Reish Lakish. Where are you, son of Lakish? Also, side point Rabbi Shimon Ben Lakish started out as a theme, as a band of robbers throughout the time, and he knows from thieves because he used to be one. He did Shuva and he became such a great person. Side note Rabbi Yochanan screamed, Where are you, son of Lakish? And he screamed until his mind was taken from him because he could not handle the loss of his best friend, his Chavrusa. He went insane. The rabbis prayed and requested for God to have mercy on him and Rav Yochanan passed away because he could not handle the loss of his Chavrusa. Because Rav Razor explains, I believe, as long as he was connected to Torah, connected to his Chavrusa, connected to his friend, he could handle, not handle, but he could try somehow in some aspect to live life. When his Chavrusa was taken from him, that was it. He couldn't do it. The great sage, the point is, led a very tragic life. He had so much loss. The one thing he could never live with was the loss of his friend because the friend was the key to a livable life. And the Gemara talks about in Baba Kama, Eov. Eov had these great friends. And how do we know that when you pray for someone else, your tshuvas, your tshuvas are answered first from Eov and also from Avram. Avram prayed for Avimelech's family and he was answered first. Avimelech and his family, all their holes were stopped up according to the commentaries. And Hashem had it happen that Sarah was allowed to be able to give birth. So you pray for someone else, you'll be prayed for too. That's real empathy. That's real compassion. Your friend needs the same thing as you. You pray harder for your friend than for yourself. And then Hashem will take care of you. you Hashem made Eov be taken care of a little bit because when he prayed on behalf of his friends. Rabbah says in Brachos, anyone who asks mercy on behalf of another... Then Hashem will take care of him. And he doesn't ask the sinner, that's what it be, that you should make sure. If you can ask for mercy on behalf of another, doesn't ask that you call the sinner, that's the right way. You want shuva from other people, not that they get hurt. When you pray on behalf of someone else, especially of a friend, you will be answered first because you learn real empathy, maybe, for your friend. Two are better than one, Koalis points out. You need to be with someone else. They can raise you up. If you're alone, you're falling. No one can help you. Gemara points out in Brachos, it's better to throw yourself into a fiery furnace than to embarrass your friend. So often we're joking with our friends, quote unquote. We're embarrassing our friends and we're not doing the right thing. You know, Marukva, I believe, in the Gemara, him and his wife ran into a furnace rather than give away their poor person's knowledge of who they were. They didn't want to embarrass even a poor person. Allah has come of a comma, a friend, quote unquote, a real friend. You would never embarrass, especially in public. It's better to die than to embarrass someone in public. We learned this from Tamar. She was willing to die until the last second when she asked Yehuda to identify the object she sent. Baruchos points out that 
someone who realizes that he sees his friend after 12 months, it's as, it's as if you say, Machaya Mason, because really you could think about forgetting the person, but we shouldn't forget a person. They should always be with us every day. We should check in with them all the time. Regularly keep in touch with everyone as much as you can. They should be important and influential and involved in our lives. They should be a part of our lives. We're almost at the end. Say thanks for sticking with us. Brachos also points out, don't have too many friends. It's better to have one really good friend than to have a lot of friends that are not really your friends. A Facebook friend does not count as a friend. An Instagram follower, a Pinterest pinner, or whatever these fakakta things are, these do not count as real friends. A real friend is a good friend, a person you can confide in, who can talk to you. I'd rather have five best friends than a hundred somewhat friends. You need to have the right friends. They need to be to your heart. Not too many friends, as Brachos points out. Don't violate the words of your friend. If your friend asks you to do something, keep your word. Do what your friend needs. Do what your friend wants. Get up and do what they want, what they need your help for. That's the point to carry over, as Shabbos also points out. When you do have friends, make sure they're not the Facebook type of friends. They need to be finite, countable, real types of friends. Focus on them, not have too many at once. Don't lose focus or attention from them. Shabbos also points out, that you have to judge another favorably. If you would judge yourself favorably, why would you not judge your friend favorably? You don't have all the facts. You don't know what goes on behind closed doors. You don't know what their situation was, what their what their travail was, what their isurin was, what their yisurin was, what their situation, their challenge was. You cannot understand it. Don't judge them. And if you have to judge, judge favorably. Tanis points out, then the Torah matters. When you deal with others, they're like igniting fire. You could sharpen one another. You learn more from your friends than you do from anything else. And from your students, you learn even more. And Allah has come and come if your students are your friends, how wonderful, how much you could learn. Megillah points out that a person, one of the sages, merited long life because he never took any benefit from, quote-unquote, his friend's life, from denigration or veneration at the expense of anything of his friend. We should never feel like we put anyone down to raise ourselves up, especially a, quote-unquote, friend. We need proper respect for others. Read from the wisdom from their lives. Kedushin also points out, don't call another by a bad name. Don't call another by a title. So they happen to be a halal, they happen to be a mamzer. Don't use labels. Labeling is wrong. We talk a lot about all the shows about people first language. It's not someone who is a wheelchair-bound person. It's a person who uses a wheelchair. It's not a person who is a mamzer. In an extreme, extreme case, it's someone that his ancestor, ancestor did a terrible thing. He happens to be the byproduct. He happens to have that title. Happens to be a slave. He's not that slave over there. It's a person that happens to be enslaved to a situation. Someone who has Down syndrome. It's not a Down syndrome kid. It's a kid who happens to be Down syndrome. Don't tell me that's my mentally challenged friend. No, 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 no. This is my friend that happens to have mental difficulties. Make sure you use it the right way. Make sure you use it the first person language, person first language. Don't label people. Gemara also points out in Baba Kama that you have to have the right situation as well. Just like you should not have bad neighbors, you should have good neighbors and good friends. Put yourself in good situations. Asaph went to Yishmo, you're asking for trouble. Lot went to Sodom, you're asking for trouble. But Avraham went and settled and made an Eishel. Avra went to the right place. Yaakov went to Yeshiva Ev, Sheva Aver, but Esau went to Yishmael. You go to the wrong place, you're going to be in a bad situation. Make sure you're with the right friends in the right situation. And think about the talk, talking about Malachim. Rechavim has two options. He could go by his father's advisors who say to levy the tax and make it easier, lightful, burden. And his friends say, your father thinks he was so great, go even more than him. Tax the people more than him. Who do you think Rechavim listens to? Rechavim listens to the answers of the wrong people. Rechavim listens to his quote-unquote friends and he lost the kingship because of that. Ten kingdoms, ten tribes were ripped away from him because they did not like that. Had he said what the advice of his father, the elders would have said, lighten the tax, he could have kept the kingdom. But he listened to the young men, the foolish men, who said, you be better than your dad. In the wrong way, he lost the kingdom because of that. Make sure to seek out people Good influences who could purify you and uplift you and not toxify you and bring you down. Eov's friends knew what happened to him because they had a crown. They saw signs of what was going on. We should realize we should have friends like that. We should take ourselves like a Yehoshua, make our friends, take our friends, acquire friends, be so embedded with our friends in their life 
to be in tune with them, to know what's going on, to have a feeling that something is wrong or something is great. My wife has all these vibes about people. This one might not work out. This one might have a kid. This one, something's wrong with them. What a wonderful feeling and ability to have a vibe, to be so connected to other people. We should all be Zoha to have vibes, to know that something is up with our friends, that something good or something bad. We should always make sure to know who we're conversing with, who we're sitting with, who we're standing with, and who we're at the table with, Derek Eretz explains. We should have the right kind of kingship, where we're not doing it to be advantageous of someone else, not to separate, but to be with each other with the right reasons and the right relationship, the right type of friends. Eov's friends knew that they just needed to be there for him, to sit with him, to eat with him, to comfort him, not to say things, just to be there with him. Crying when they need to be crying, being with when you want to be being. And being sad when you're not with each other. Because that's the real type of friend. Don't be a talbear. Don't be a lush and hard type of friend. That's not a right type of friend. Use your friendships to sow harmony and peace and goodness. Not an excuse. Chas v'sham for lush and hara. Treat your friends right and be the right way to be treated. You treat your friends right, that's the way to be treated. The way you want to be treated, the way you should treat your friends, that's the way it should be. Acquire our friends and make sure that you do it in such a way that you're not a burden to them. You know it's the right time, the right situation. All about timing as we talked about. It's good to have friends and company of food. Rabbeinu Bachi explains where we want to make sure it's in the right way. Make sure to be with relatives and loved ones in difficult times, Bartunur explains. And Nishnator explains, even if you do something wrong against your friend, it's never too late. Even if it's years later, even God forbid they're not with us anymore. You go to the grave, you go talk to them, you be with them, you try to ask for forgiveness. Because the souls are always there. You visit the cemetery, you could talk to the people in the cemetery. The neshamas are hovering, they're in the sky, and they're there. If you anger your friend, you could always appease him, Yoma points out. And be like Aaron, who pursued peace and tried to get peace for one another. So we went through the sources quickly at the end in the interest of time. I'm sorry it's a little over. We're just going to do the points to carry over. The true friend is one who you love and loves you as a close brother, always by your side, ready to help you. Spring to your side whenever needed. This is what we should find in our spouses and our families. And we should cultivate it as best we can. The true friend sticks with you, guides you, propels you forward. Don't flatter the friend. The true worth is when you move them forward and upward. The basis of the Torah is loving one another like each other. Loving one like itself. If you love those around us like dear friends without labeling, without just judging the one tiny bad aspect, the whole world could change. Make sure to have and be the right kind of friend for virtue, to find the good. Be a good friend with a good heart. Be a good neighbor with a good eye and good insight. Stand up for their honor. Have true empathy. Understand the relevance of timing and emotions. I can't say that enough, especially if your friends have little kids, especially if your friends have a lot going on. You hear the screaming in the background. You hear the difficulty in the background. Call back another time. Help another time. Timing is essence and key. Have true friendship and love like David and Yohannesson, the most beautiful friendship I can remember in Tanakh. We should make sure to honor our friends just by being there teaching good ways and Torah manners. After a whole lifetime of seven years, the main thing that aggrieved the sage was the loss of the friend. And the other sage led a tragic life, but he could not handle the loss of a friend. That's a real friend. You lose that friend. We should never have such things. Life itself is vastly different. Be that kind of friend that life itself is so much better because they're in it, because you're in it for them. When you pray on behalf of someone else, ask for them, and you could be answered first, because that's real empathy, dealing with what they need. Keep in touch with their friends regularly. Make sure to have real friends, not Facebook type of friends. Make sure to have a finite amount, a real type of friend. Focus on them. Not to have too many to lose focus on. Respect them. Read from their wisdom. Seek out good friends with good influence to purify and uplift you, not toxify you. Be so in tune with their friends to have the vibe, like my wife has the vibe in our own lives, to have a vibe to know that something's going on in their life and reach out. Make sure to sow harmony and peace among your friends and goodness. Not just an excuse for Lush and Hara, God forbid, treat everyone the way you want to be treated. That's the main rule. And it's never too late to have forgiveness with our friends and to make amends with our friends because they're always with us. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it here on the lecture series with Rep T. Join us again, God willing, in two weeks while we'll we're talking another topic here on the lecture series with Rep T. And I'm your host, Reb T. Thanks for joining us.